Welcome to Robot Kraken, where the standard nerd duo of Chris of Deeply Dapper and Tom of Third Rail Design Lab talk about movies, shows, comics, entertainment news, and general stuff. General stuff. <laughs> Miscellany. 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 Miss- <laughs> Miscellany. Miscellary. 2016. <laughs> okay, do it. So I think it's time for Sucking the Monkey, Mr. Tom, where we talk about what libations we've brought aboard for our journey. Why do we call it Sucking the Monkey? It seems really untoward. I'm well, about it. it's an old piratey term. You or, keep saying that. Yes. We need some sort of little like link that we could send to people and be like, Sucking the Monkey, go here to find out more. It means more. this, and it doesn't mean that. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're not actually sucking a monkey. Uh, back in the piratey days, when... Alcohol was forbidden on board. Pirates would smuggle alcohol in in coconuts, and it was considered sucking the monkey to drink alcohol out of a coconut, which would probably be delicious. Uh, I'm going to get right on that, actually. Yeah. We need to fill some coconuts with rum and let them sit for a few days and then just enjoy. Uh, My two thoughts. One, I have a a watermelon in my fridge, like a huge watermelon (laughs) the kids kids insisted on and then (laughs) took little slices of and then were like, eh. You know, Transformers. And I'm like, Ugh. so I have this whole thing with little slices in it. And I was contemplating dunking some uh, uh, some chilled vodka in there. And, and uh, then yeah. to, I saw this on a video once and you use a um, you use like a uh, like a power drill with an attachment and you chew it all up and then and then you slosh it around and then you pour it out of the hole and you're making a, you know. Oh, OK, so you're that that actually sounds pretty damn skippy. And the other thing is I have somewhere, somewhere, a book of sailor slang, period sailor slang. And uh, I think I need to dig it up and then we can just take turns using all of the slang all the time. <laughs> I'd be okay with be that. Great. Yeah, it'd be definitive for our Yeah, our why not? People will say uh, pirate slang that equals robot crack. And that's where I go to get my latest pirates, my latest, oldest pirate slang. Yes. My latest old timey slang. What are you drinking? <laughs> I am currently drinking a doc. Ock. A doc. Ock. You, yes. you, you told me about this last time. That's Dr. Pepper. And that is Dr. Pepper and Kraken rum. The unofficial sponsor rum. of robot Kraken podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, so. and it is delicious. Do you have the mix? Do you have the balance right? Um, I think so. The rum is a little strong, which means it's right. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. How about you, sir? What are you drinking? Okay, so there's a thing here in California, Northern California, up in the Russian River. There is a brewery that makes a beer in very small batches. And as a result, uh, everyone's obsessed with it. It's called Pliny the Elder, the Russian River Brewing Company. And people come... You know, uh, beer tourism, I guess. People come from out of state to, uh, you know, to visit folks, whatever, and then they spend their time searching for this in liquor stores and whatever and can't find it because it's so small batch that right. it's not. Except if you went to the brewery, they have it in the in their, in their drinking hall, but okay. in stores you can't find it. And, uh, in fact, uh, recently my 
uh, brother-in-law, is that right? My brother-in-law, when he was here with his wife, my sister-in-law, um, we actually were looking around for it and he had been looking for it and couldn't find it. But anyway, I, I finally uh, talked to my neighbors and they told me that the secret is that, I guess they're old experts with this, and they said that the secret <laughs> is that there are select select stores that get a case of Pliny the Elder and they get it on a certain day. Ah. Tuesdays and they come through and the time is based on when the truck gets there. You know, it's a consistent time <laughs> and it's an unmarked truck and it's this whole deal. And then they, and it's never on the shelf and people who find out about it know to go to ask for it. Right. Interesting. So I did a little research and found this to be the case, so to speak. Um, and then I found <laughs> out, so I happened to be at uh, whole foods. And so I knew that there was a liquor store near, near my house that had it. Um, mm-hmm. and oh, you have li- limited uh, quantities that you can take. Okay. You know, and uh, anyway, I knew there was a place that had it, but I wouldn't be able to go during work or whatever. And then I found I was at Whole Foods and, and I happened to ask the guy that runs the beer section about it. And he said, he said, you know, we get that shipment, too. Oh, really? Said, oh, so today was Tuesday. So, <laughs> yeah, so I went so I went uh, 15, 20 minutes early and I was number three. Nice. And the people who were just hovering in the beer section waiting and, you know, the guy that runs the cheese department next to the beer who also managed the beer, he was like, okay, sh- sh- you know, come on, come on. And he pulls them out from behind the chill <laughs> He's, he's of, the of, gentleman uh, in charge of cheese and beer, huh? Exactly, which is like, what, <laughs> what more could you ask for? Acceptable. <laughs> I am that guy at home. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I took the, I took the assortment that I, that I, um, that, that I was allowed to take, which was actually a, a very generous four bottles. I gave one to our to our neighbors who I know likes them and and uh, I saved two for my brother-in-law for um, a care package for his birthday so in theory this will not air before then <laughs> assuming he listens I don't know but anyway um, so I have to I have to get it I have to ship it out of state somehow successfully but um, and then I have one bottle here for me so um, what is it called it. you told Pliny. us what the brewing company is no it's called Pliny the Elder that's the name of the beer Right. Okay. I'm going to show you the logo. That's a boring logo. It's so boring. And I used to see this. (laughs) I saw this a few years ago and I was like, eh. And then, and I didn't, I didn't buy it. It's literally just a green label with a red circle with the words in white on it. Yeah. They might as well just sharpie it, right? Right. That might have been cooler. They just put it like an Avery label on there and write it on there. (laughs) And and a couple years ago, I should do this one microphone because it sounds really good um right over the keyboard oh yeah listen Um, to that dribble i had this i had it a few years ago divorced from when i actually saw it right i had it another occasion right who's good and and piece two and two together and realize what i had missed the previous time when i did (laughs) but um so it's been years and uh we'll see if this is what i think it is which is a good example of uh uh, scarcity marketing, right? Right. Which I don't think means that it's not a good thing. No, not necessarily. But they do deliberately make it a small batch. They claim it's to keep the keep it manageable and right. You know, they're a family and all this, but you know, I it's mean, a, honestly, it's they a, could produce more. Oh yeah, absolutely. So all but, I'm seeing right there is head. Oh, okay. Huh. There's actual beer. <laughs> <laughs> right into the sugar DVD searches video. Right? So. Yeah. Uh, so I, I fully expect that this is either going to blow my mind or just be, you know, or it could just be a beer. Well, let's it's find out. 
the tension is killing me from 2,000 miles away. <laughs> you, you just imagine. Right, There's more head than beer in that glass. I poured it improperly. <laughs> you know what? What? It's delicious. Is it amazing, though, or is it just delicious? It's just really good, and, and uh, your pals wouldn't like it. Oh, it's really? Weird. It's sharp. I'm not good at beer descriptions. I was reading some. I looked <laughs> up to see why everyone was so excited. It gets like 100 on the beer, whatever the okay. beer, uh, society, whatever that is. <laughs> and everyone just flips out about it. And, and I read all the, 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 the I'm just going to slap myself ahead of time, the bullshit uh, descriptions <laughs> of, you know, the heady, the heady, you know, musk of this and that and the right. strong finish of that. And it's like, whatever. It's just, it's a beer. But it, I have to say it is a little bit sharp. And it does have a bitter, a really bitter kick to it, but it's really good though. Okay, so question: How much did that bottle cost you? You know, only at like a five fifty. So for it's what not size price. is it? Like uh, an eight ounce bottle? It would, no, it's <laughs> it's a it's a one point two five fluid ounce. So one point two five fluid ounces, huh? One one pint one point two five fluid ounces. <laughs> How are you trying to get me to be? You paid five dollars for a beer of, shot. I'm only an architect. Don't make me use units of measure accurately. It's a 500 milliliter bottle. Okay, seems small to me since I tend to um, traffic in the 750 milliliter bottle. No, that's range. like that's like a 12 ounce bottle or something like that. So it, it's actually hard to get a, a large size bottle of a craft beer here in California that's under five or six bucks. Right. So I expected when I. When I took them, I, I just figured, you know, these are going to be like $15 bottles or something. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Right. right. Uh, I didn't ask. You know, if you have to ask the if you have to ask the price of Pliny the Elder, you cannot have Pliny the Elder. <laughs> and when they rank it up, it was like, you know, maybe went five fifty or five or something like that. So Right on. Um, unless I misread the <laughs> – I didn't check the receipts. Yeah. So, so I, <laughs> Your wife's like, why, why did you spend $74 at Whole Foods and come home with four beers? <laughs> <I know. clears throat> but it's delicious and I like it. So there you go. That's well, there you go. Um, Acceptable. That was our the, sucking the monkey segment. The original Roman would be pronounced Plina. Plina the Elder. How but much is- alcohol does Plina have in it? Zero. Oh, Pliny, Pliny or Plina? Because I don't know. Him. He's dead. I don't even know at, what, at this point um, if there's any bacterial activity on his his remains. But uh, this is like <laughs> it's. If you have to ask, you're not allowed to know. Oh. It's eight percent. Oh, so it's average. Yeah, a little little above average. In our last segment when I was drinking that sour and I was like, well, I'm more sober at the end of our recording than I was at the start. Right. It's because it was a five and a half percent. You were just drinking fruit juice with some fizz in it. I basically was. <laughs> I like a stronger beer, so that's... Yeah. I want to talk about where we're going next, Chris. <laughs> Ports of Call segment. Let's do Ports that. of Call. I like we're that segment. It. This was yes. at the end. Now it's at the beginning. Because it's important, it's important to know where you can go to avoid seeing us. <laughs> well, you can go to the gem convention to avoid seeing you in the future, right? <laughs> They're minerals. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's going on? What's up next? You're, you're in between. I am in Kong. between right now. Um, I leave Thursday. Well, technically I leave Wednesday for the World Horror Convention in Provo, Utah. Uh, which... World. 
Yes, World Horror. Um, they I, they have a convention every year, but it's in a different town, in a different state, different country each year. Oh. And it's pretty interesting. They only get about four to 500 attendees, but they're almost all industry people. They're writers oh. and filmmakers and like horror icons and that kind of thing. Like Victoria Price is going to be there. Yeah. Um, they, Stephen King just stopped by as a guest last year, so it's it should be a really interesting con. Um, I've never neat. done one like that before, but this one was, you know, it's like four and a half hours from my house, and I was like, shoot, how do I not go check this one out? So it should be pretty fun. They're doing, that like, ballistic gels demonstrations, and oh, oh, oh. Uh, it should be really awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, ballistic gels. Yeah. Abused on CSI for years. <laughs> and Mythbusters. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after that, um, I've got a week off. Well, a weekend off. And then I'm off to Cheyenne, Wyoming for Cheyenne Con, which should be pretty interesting. That's a first-year con. And then I it's still think it would have been, just all madness. I still think it would have been interesting if it was a Cheyenne Jackson con. but I, You know, I genuinely have no idea who that is. He's <laughs> on... He's on. He was on 30 Rock. He's a handsome guy. Is he a, a Sam Kennison fan? No. That's a good question. He <laughs> oh, he's on 30 Rock. I've life. never actually seen 30 Rock. Oh. It's a Saturday Night Live thing, remember? There's two kinds of people in this world, Chris. <laughs> Those that have seen 30 Rock. And uh, and also, what else is coming up for you? You So you thought that you had a con this weekend, and then you didn't. That's how busy you are. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> What? Yeah, I Why somehow managed to to in my calendar I scheduled the World Horror Convention on the wrong weekend. Mm. And despite the fact that it was written down in multiple other places for the correct weekend, which is this coming weekend, I was all packed up and ready to rock and roll and I sent a message to a writer guy that I know that's going to be there, a writer guy. I think they prefer yeah. the term author, but <laughs> I, I writer like guys. writer guys. Uh, and he writes back and he's like, dude, that's next weekend. You gave me a panic attack for a minute there. And I'm like, oh, ha, me too. Oh, <laughs> unpacked <just> car. <laughs> Oh, no. Did you really pack everything up? I have everything 100% packed, but it wasn't in the car. The only thing in the car was my mattress, so we're okay so, there. So you keep everything there, and you just have to bring out the tomatoes that you packed. Pretty much, all the yeah. Other yeah, I just have to throw a banana in a sack, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Things have taken a dark turn very, very quickly. <laughs> You haven't what? you haven't abused yourself yet, so there's always that. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I swear I smack myself. Usually, so yeah, like the last few times at the end of the podcast is when I would lose it, and then I come out of there with like a swollen face, right? Because I'm I'm serious business. It's like the Johnny Knoxville style, right? Like I have to give myself <laughs> a good right cross, or 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 actually or a left cross, really. So, do you feel that that's helping you cut back on your swearing? Hitting oh, yourself when you swear. Not one bit, but it's penance. <laughs> you know, self-abuse isn't necessarily the correct answer to something like that. Bare Naked Ladies sung about the hair shirt. This name is the hair shirt I wear. This hair shirt is woven from your brown hair. This song they made me think. They made me think about the fact that I need to 
They made you think about the bare naked ladies and how you should abuse yourself. <laughs> Again, that's inappropriate. This is a family show. So it's what actually you, not a family show. No, it's not. We are we are listed as explicit on iTunes and other fine outlets. Because you're drunk and I'm surly. Unless I'm drunk and you're surly. That is occasionally Explic- the, the twist. Explicit content. Yeah, okay. Anyway, enough right about on. me. Enough about me. I think we should talk about a few other things. What do you think? I think we should always move on to other topics after imbibing. It's always a good plan. When talking about a thing... And then wanting to talk about another thing, we should transition from the one to the other in a in a smooth way yes. that leads the listener into the new subject matter without even realizing that a change had occurred. I didn't even realize we weren't still talking about Pliny the Elder. Maybe we are. <laughs> so I have a, I, I have a news item. That's just in. That's just in. News <laughs> item. So there was a rumor about Brian Johnson's new Star Wars film. I ignored it for a week. I didn't want to know, even though it's futile to be this far out. Resistance is futile. Yes, but uh, anyway, at some point, um, I looked into it out of boredom, and it was a long conference call at the time, and I looked into it. (laughs) And here's the thing. Here's this rumor, and I think it's been – every site that I've read about it um, seems to suggest that they think it's not founded in anything. Okay. However – it just so happens to be my exact theory, so I thought I would raise the issue so that it's disproven. It'll just, you know, solidify my stupidity. But the rumor is, are you ready? I'm ready. Spoiler, spoilers, spoilers on. Predictive spoilers. Possible spoilers (laughs) on a possible thing that happened. So the rumor is that Ray is going to be like, hey, man, comma, you're my dad. Why do you abandon me? And then he's going to say, hey, no, you're my dad. Because she's a clone of Anakin. <laughs> okay. End scene. Do you, so I, I'm thinking that Ryan Johnson may have made a poor choice in hiring you as a scriptwriter. <laughs> you don't think that dialogue is <laughs> that's sort of original? That's like prequel dialogue, right? Hey, man, all, this no, 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 no. this it's sand secret. is abrasive, and I know likey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, but I mean, you know, I like that I concept when we were talking about the movie before, mm-hmm. I mean, I really like the idea that the reason why she's got all this, this, this moxie is that, um, and you know, sand, sand, sand skills and, right. and what, is that she is, and you know, that she is the reincarnation of this same, uh, life force, whether it's by design, which I don't think it would be, or whether it is that the one supposedly that they butchered with, uh, the Anakin storyline right. is something that has happened over time. You know, it, you know, I find it pretty movie. acceptable overall. I just thought it was funny that that was, that was the supposedly big spoiler. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. It's but. completely unfounded and they don't have any real frame of reference outside of, you know, <laughs> a guy who knows a guy who does right. craft services said <laughs> over Twinkies. They heard. Yes. <laughs> so that's a thing that happened. Do you have any uh, news items? I don't remember what the news item was I was supposed to be saying. Civil War. Civil War. Civil oh, War. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just in. <laughs> Civil War. Something people are excited about. Civil War, everybody. It's war. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Governor. Uh, war. 
a late thirties war. <laughs> Civil war, even. Semi total war. <laughs> there okay. be superheroes and they're fighting. <laughs> so tell, so tell me, what's the news about Civil War, Chris? Well, apparently there's a new clip or trailer or some sort of footage that's out. I have not watched it because both of us are on Civil War Blackout. See? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. So now it's like that. Civil War Blackout. So you're on a Blackout. I see. Just, just Prohibition. <laughs> a Civil War Prohibition. Right off the rails. <laughs> right off the rails and into the dry grass. So I don't want to see it. I don't either. I've decided the movie is close enough now, and they are good enough at spoiling shit that I am not watching any more Civil War stuff. It was semi-spoiled already for me, though, because the article that I saw that I sent you to tempt you... uh, No, this is your news item. The article I didn't send (laughs) has an animated GIF of, which should be called GIF, an animated GIF that shows (laughs) Spider-Man hurtling down on, on webs... And then landing with one leg and kicking with the other leg and taking out Falcon, who okay. was the last person running along with Bucky. So he's going after Bucky and he takes out Falcon behind him. Ah. And the two things of interest in this, because we might as well just analyze a, a gift that you haven't seen even. <laughs> uh, the two things that were cool about it was the one is he lands, he lands with one leg down and then the other leg kicks out to knock Falcon away, which I thought was great because, you know, even Cap is a big fan of the... You know, double foot kick, land on your side. Right. <laughs> Lose all your momentum thing. And, and that move, it left him on his feet, which I thought was great. And the other thing is he comes in on two webs, mm-hmm. one in each hand, and he's he's swinging on one and he's using, using the other one to steer, it looks like. like okay. He's pull it, you see him pull it as he hmm. and it turns him as he lands to take the kick. At least that's my deep analysis of this. this <clears throat> Worst blackout ever. <laughs> there was only a there's only a gif. That's all I saw. I told you nothing. I'm sure there's a lot you more. You just to described that. every aspect of that sequence. Of that You're like, gif. and then you could see his bicep pop as he pulled himself back up and three of his toes curled under just before he connected. My toes were curling under. And that was just a gif. God knows what the rest of that footage shows while we are on the subject of not talking about civil war uh entertainment weekly has released their review and it's an a minus i haven't read it because i'm actually sticking to the blackout (laughs) what is that you you saw the headline you probably saw a picture with it and you ruined something for yourself actually no there's a trailer that comes up on it but you don't have to automatically play it uh, you okay. don't, Tom. You don't have to hit play. <laughs> Let me just. Oh yeah, that's the good stuff right there. Pliny the Elder. Um, lots of head. <laughs> lots of... Again, <laughs> safe search is on, man. So, uh, all right. So maybe I spoiled that gift for you, and I apologize. That gift will never be the same to you. It's not the only every... gift you've spoiled for me, so I'm used to it by now. <laughs> <laughs> but no more total blackout. I don't want to hear about the reviews. I don't want to hear about the reviews of the reviews. Yeah, one, one week to go. Come at me, bro. Uh, so, yeah. What's next? Item. Uh, Nathan Fillion. Have you seen the, the casting information about Nathan Fillion? I did. And uh, I don't know what to make of it. I can't decide. I There's a part of me that's excited about the idea. Because theoretically, he's a good fit. 
for some aspects yes. of it. Uh, he's been cast. I guess we should say what the item is instead of just talking yes. about how we feel. Uh, that Nathan, one thing that happened that one time. Was <laughs> right. Uh, Nathan Fillion is playing Wonder Man in the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 movie. Oh, he's playing Simon. He's playing Simon Williams. Yes. Which is, which is the key. I think it could be, and it certainly seems like it's a, you know, it's just a nod for comic fans uh, because his role as an actor in the Marvel Universe, right? Right. He's the, he's the quintessential superhero superhero actor in Hollywood in those in that continuity. And so right. they show that blurry clip of him in the biopic of Tony Stark. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but, and uh, it's, yeah. it sounds like it may just be all Easter egg type stuff. Like, like they've stumbled across a couple of location shoots with movie posters starring Simon Williams as blah, blah, blah kind of thing. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I think it's kind of an interesting casting idea, um, particularly with Marvel's locked in. Once you're this character, nobody else is that character unless you don't do it anymore kind of thing. Right. For sure. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, it's really hard. It's hard for Marvel to go wrong at this point until they do. Right. But, uh, cast Nathan Fillion in anything is not going to go wrong with your fan base. Although he's had a lot of negative feedback lately um, with the whole castle situation, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah that's, that, that's been a little bit of a negative thing where they did not renew the contract for Stana Kadic, I have no idea how to pronounce her name, um, or a couple of the other characters on that show. And, you know, he posted a typically polite, respectful response. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's just like totally freaking out about that. But, you know. But to be fair, to be fair, yeah, and you're right. It, it does blemish the image that he has as the geek, one of the geek heartthrobs that everyone goes crazy over. Right. Uh, however,. Whose fault is it when the fan base is flipping out that two characters who had chemistry and romantic stuff on the show turn out to not get along? Right. Um, when has that ever happened? Yeah, right? never, never. Until the modern era. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there were so know, many of those and... back in the day before everything was on the internet that right, had the knew. exact same problem. Yeah. I mean, let's 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 go back a little further to where um, you know people found out that Rock Hudson had been living a double life, and you know this outrage. <laughs> <Right>. What? <laughs> you know, he didn't have that chemistry. He actually did. He really had great chemistry with Doris Day and, and some other actresses. But right, know, it it wasn't behind the scenes the way they imagined it was. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, they so, haven't even technically renewed that show for the next season yet. It's yeah. just one of those things where they're like, well, we've got to cut costs, so we have to cut these people out and it makes sense to keep castle since his name's in the show kind of thing but well, didn't wasn't jillian anderson and uh david duchovny weren't they really cool to each other when they were filming the oh Netflix yeah they're one? they're like best friends apparently like they they give now. each other shit all the time but yeah but initially time, when they were first filming it they had like very like you said very cool towards each other they didn't necessarily dislike each other the way the mythbusters guys do but from Which what is equally I... shocking, right? Yeah, I yeah, know that's crazy to me. <laughs> Almost as crazy as them uh, relaunching MythBusters with no one in it. Yeah, that's nuts, uh, dude. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't have the experience on that show to really comment, other than well, you know, I don't know. Right? What should they be? Yeah. <laughs> well, what else? What else is going on? Um, you know, uh, 
Godzilla. Hot mess, Godzilla. <laughs> what? Are we the only the two people hell? on the internet that don't like it? Is that true? I have seen nothing but positive reactions no. to that fucking trailer. Yeah. Isn't that weird? With the, with the magma bits. Yeah, and the, the giant dong tail. The giant <laughs> That tail. I was ranting to my my lovely wife about the tail, and she's just eye. Her eye rolls had eye rolls, right? It's larger than he is, and it's, it's higher than his head. Ridiculous. And it's ridiculous, and it has no physicality at all. Yeah. It's like a like like Godzilla went to town with his blimp friend. <laughs> it looks like someone did claymation wrong, right? right? Like it yeah. has no physics to it. It's like 1993 CGI. And the I, only thing I like about it that is still wrong is his little upturned evil his hands. Tiny that he has. hands! <laughs> but they're upturned, like he's right. being wicked. Like, hello, I'm holding precious packages. <laughs> <laughs> trains, this is where trains will go when right. I pick them up. You know? <laughs> this entire movie is about him trying to get home with his takeout that he's holding <laughs> carefully in his hands. <laughs> and, and it doesn't help that that whole trailer read like a fan film. I right? really like, did. It just does not and yeah it, it doesn't look real at all. yeah it looks all spliced together with weird things because they didn't have any dialogue in it so they're just like yeah. we're just going to show scenes look we've got helicopters and tanks and jets and more helicopters what if they just had really great uh subtitles like you know it's gojira and he's got magma bits why <laughs> who cares you know <laughs> he's ever evolving which is a new word that i just made up <laughs> So, yeah, not excited about not that. I'm not going to even see it. remotely. I will probably watch it like on Netflix or something, but yeah, I'm not going to give money to it. <laughs> Item, this just in. I wait a minute. You do this one because I don't know how to pronounce her name. <laughs> Ana de Armas. Ana de Armas. Yeah, I, I believe so, that's correct. So she's from. So okay, so she was cast yes. in Blade Runner Two. Blade now, Runner Two. From, isn't she from the Keanu Reeves movie? I don't want to see. Knock knock. Knock knock. Yeah, and that's really her. I mean, she's been in quite a bit of stuff, like fifteen things or something like that. Most of them are not English language. I think mm-hmm. this is like maybe her second or third film she's been in that's English language. She makes me think when I look at her. And I imagine the kind of role she'll have. There's obvious parallels here, but mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if it's going to be a lot like how Alicia Vikander was in Ex Machina, where yeah. the slight, the you know, the slight irregularity in the accent, the exotic nature of how she looks, combined with the subject matter, will make it completely consistent. Yeah, Maybe. I could see that. I don't know. I mean, I, so far I have yet to see anything about this sequel other than its very existence. That was right. problematic. <laughs> it's like if you if you're willing to admit it's happening, it looks like it could be great. Right. Yeah, she has a little bit of an Eliza Dushku look to her, um, yeah. in my opinion. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's all I see when I see her. But Nine, yeah, '90s Eliza Dushku. Or yeah, like like Faith in Buffy, Eliza uh, Dushku. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm more excited about Robin Wright being in it than I am yeah. Anna de Armas, definitely. 
and as has been established, you do like your baby goose. I do like me some baby goose. <laughs> Ryan Gosling, baby. Well, I mean, honestly, well, like they've cast five people and she's the least enticing of them. I mean, she's clearly hired as the pretty girl and maybe she'll play a, a crazy Pris character or something. I'd be totally okay with that. But Right. And so, news? Any more news? Yeah, I think that's really the extent of the news outside of that little snippet about Game of Thrones and their new seasons and how long that's going to go. Yes, yes. Uh, And so, what do they say? Like, they're possibly saying it's going to be shortened seasons, right? Well, essentially what they've said is that realistically, Game of Thrones will run through season eight. And that this season is a regular length season, and that seven and eight will both be shortened seasons, like seven episodes, six or seven episodes. Why? Apparently that's how much story is left. No. No, 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 no. I find that hard to believe, considering we've got two Bibles of Westeros excitement coming, but... Well, and and the fact that they're they're launching out ahead of the book's... With all this freedom to tell their own story. Right. And the fact that it's like the most anticipated thing on TV ever, ever. Yeah. Why? Why are they talking about shortened seasons? You know, I, I, there's a part of me that's like, you know, if that is legitimately what it takes to tell the story, awesome. Because I don't want them stretching it out the way they did with Lost or something like that. But... Yeah, but the the entire construct of this show is extremely long seasons. Right. You know, a, a decade and a half of summer and then now a decade of winter or whatever it is. Right. right. Whatever that period of time is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're in this, entering the sixth season. Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about this. Right. We're entering the sixth season and we just got winter. Right. Winter has been coming for six seasons. <laughs> yeah. So unless they do some real time jumps, it's like, how are we going to get any sort of satisfaction in the storyline? Right. This and a couple of truncated seasons. I don't. Yeah. I don't know unless things are like coming to a head a lot quicker than I could have imagined. I mean, considering how little happens in a single episode, realistically, with as many threads as they have, I don't know how they can tie this together in less than 30 episodes. I mean, that's just crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy talk, what you're telling me. Yeah, I'm not telling you. Other people are telling me, and I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm not, I don't appreciate these things you're telling me. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, no, I refuse to acknowledge it. Well, and there was a statement from HBO. They came out and said, Any conversations about the end of Game of Thrones and the number of episodes of future seasons is purely speculative. As is customary, HBO will sit down with Dan and David to discuss the details once a decision has been made to go forward with Season 7. But that's the kind of rhetoric they they put around True Detective. Right, (laughs) right. right. I, I... Well, I'm crossing my fingers, man, because whew, I was excited last night when that show came on. <laughs> I know. What would we do oh. in a world without Game of Thrones? Well, I'm just not. Ha- <laughs> I'm just not happy with the fact that I saw the first four seasons on DVD, right? Just like this free base session, like I did with Battlestar <laughs> Galactica. And now right. I have to sit there and watch them one by one. It's just like oh. it's torture. The, all the false fade to blacks they did in this premiere. Oh man! Oh, you know, just stop <laughs> playing with my heart, man. I think it's review time, Tom.
The review time? Do you mean I like a Kraken's review? Kraken review time. We need to release is, the robot Kraken review. Is it a Kraken review or is it Kraken's review? I think it's Kraken's review. That's a plural of Kraken, right? Kraken's? It could be Kraken's Kraken review. Kraken's Kraken review. Kraken's one with a K, Kraken, one with a Kraken C. Review. No, we're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. Don't say <laughs> So what are we going to talk about today? I believe the plan, according to the piece of paper that's digitally presented in front of me, that we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 1. That sounds interesting. sounds like an interesting show. What's it about? I believe the episode is called The Rad Woman or something like that. (laughs) Dope. The Rad Woman. I I would like to warn our listeners on this this boat of wonders that is Robot Kraken that there will be spoilers in this review. There there be spoilers? There there be spoilers. See? (laughs) Yeah, it's like how could you – I read a review of the pilot or the first episode where it said spoiler-free review and it was a paragraph. Right. Yeah, you can't talk about this episode without spoiling something. Right. So I have a question. For the 3% of our 300,000 listeners, what is Game of Thrones? What's it about? Game of Thrones is a epic fantasy story that tells the tale of assorted families across the nation of Westeros. And beyond. And there's... Uh, or we could just go the, the Ian McShane route and just say, it's about tits and dragons. Tits and dragons. <laughs> That's so great. I totally forgot until you mentioned that, that he's in this season. He gave no shits about being... Hold on a second. He gave no shit. Wait. He gave no uh, about making spoiler comments or being irreverent about it. Not being even realistic remotely. about it. Yeah. yeah. And he's just right on the edge of the old, uh, you know, this this... I didn't see the movie, but I saw the house it made. All <laughs> right, the house it paid for it. It's great. I mean, that seems to be his attitude about this being on the show. But um, yeah, so I have a question. Did you read the books? Have yes, we talked about this I have read the books. Uh, my wife to, to current. Uh, yes, we are current. We also own the like the history of Westeros that they put oh, out yeah. and all that of that. Really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, the art in it's phenomenal and it's it's written like a maester wrote it. So it's written right. like an actual history of Westeros, which is really cool. It's interesting because they use it as a way to kind of insert some rumors and some stuff that is inferred in the books but never actually addressed. Right. And I wonder if they're hints towards the future or if it's just literally just them screwing with us. But it's an interesting book. Um, so yeah, I'm, I actually started reading Game of Thrones because my brother was a George R. R. Martin fan back before he started writing Game of Thrones. He was reading the Wild Card series and he has a Mississippi Riverboat Vampire novel that's pretty awesome. Um, And so my brother was like, you have to read this. The Game of Thrones is excellent. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, it's it's the first book in a series called The Song of Ice and Fire. Borrow my book. And so I've been reading it since it was originally released, like before the second book came out. Oh, wow. So I, uh, I, was... I told myself I wasn't going to read them, but I'm starting to weaken. I, just I don't was have cool time. before it was cool, man. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, and knowing how uh, adaptations de- um, deviate so much from the source material and being invested in the adaptation, I told myself I have neither the time to read 
books, uh, nor the interest in going backwards and being frustrated at how it deviates. Um, but you know, I was reading. I, I was actually listening to a podcast called. Mm, I don't remember what it's called now. Here there be monsters. I think no, that can't be right. Here be monsters. Hold on, let me bring up my telephono here. That's not the device to use, I don't think, in your household. Summon magic telephone. Beware of monsters. It's a podcast. Oh, okay. um, it's hosted by Jeremy Robinson, hmm. who's a comic writer, book mm-hmm. writer, um, and it's hosted by Christopher Ouellette. Ouellette. And it's this is the first episode I've listened to, and on this episode they were interviewing Jonathan Mayberry, who's a horror writer who's also uh-huh. written some comics and that kind of thing. And he wrote a series of uh, horror novels back in 2006 that I really enjoy. And then he's become a lot more popular recently for this z- series of zombie novels that he does. That's the Joe okay. Ledger series. Okay. I'm not a huge fan of the interviewer on this particular episode, and I'm not sure if it's Robinson or Ouellette that's doing the interviewing on it. They weren't real clear in the intro. Mm. But Jonathan Mayberry... I don't Mayberry, like unclear intros. Yeah, yeah. They're like, this is hosted by and presented by. And uh, you don't yeah. know who's actually talking in it. Right. Um, the actual interview with Jonathan Mayberry, though, is amazing. That dude can talk. And he tells just really great stories about things. But the thing I really found interesting is they were talking about one of his books coming to screen. And they asked him how faithful it was to the story. And he sat there for a minute and he's like, it's not faithful. And that was by design. Because I want people to read the book and have surprises and have things happen that you're like, oh, that's cool. I wouldn't have thought of that. I like it when an adaptation deviates from the original source material because that gives you two sources of entertainment. It's like an alternate universe type thing. I I can totally feel that. And, you know, when I started watching Game of of Tolls, as I call it, um, (laughs) four seasons had already passed or whatever. Right. Is that right? Maybe four seasons or three seasons had already happened, and I and I got the DVDs or the Blu-rays. But my initial resistance to it was that it took off like a wildfire because of the fan base, right? From the books, and here I'm, you know, I'm a standard nerd, and all of these, you know, a house housewife in Bent Ankle, West Kansas, is <laughs> is writing on Facebook about how much she loves Game of Thrones. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? Like I was turned off a right. little bit. Like, well, if it's popular with the mainstream, it's going to be like, you know, I true know. blood or something. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's going to be so blood of any inter- anything interest interesting to someone who's a little bit more focused on the genre. So, right. you know, I, you know, it's probably not going to be of my to my taste. And then also the fact that that it had been ad- adapted from a, a best selling series. But it had been adapted to TV didn't give me great confidence. Right. Then then I read about uh, George R. R. Martin's enthusiastic defense of the project and him being involved, that he wrote wrote an episode in each of those early seasons. Right. That he, that he met with the producers and said, this is my plan in so much as it may change, but this is what I'm going to do. Right. So you just so you know, now you go and do what you want to do. Exactly. Um, that really turned it for me, and that was enough to actually make me want to watch it. Yeah, and to knowing see that he something, was involved. Yeah, to see something this 
of this depth and complexity adapted for a television would, like you said, there you had every right to be concerned about it five, six years ago when it came out because that kind of thing really didn't exist on that type of scale. And with that, especially with that amount of seriousness on it. So, I mean, really, you had no reason not to be concerned about it. (laughs) I had a right. I had a, I had a, I had a, I had an obligation to be concerned. Exactly. Right. It, uh, I don't remember what we were talking about recently about, um, that referenced William Gibson and Johnny Mnemonic, but I'm still burned by that. Right. Out and was so excited after being, after seeing his sets. Maybe we were talking about Blade Runner and we talked about this. It's before. very possible, yeah. But but you know, he came out, he was so excited and he took photos on the on the set of, you know, there's the dolphin or whatever it is, and then, you know, he's there with Keanu Reeves and and he wrote about how exciting it was to see his his books come to life. <laughs> right. Which was all completely legit. Uh, you know, when you see a film in production, you may not see you may not be able to clearly grasp the hot mess that it really is right that no editing can save or rather that editing will destroy it you know who knows right Right. so he had this enthusiastic um endorsement of the of the set visit and then when the movie came out and it was a garbage fire (laughs) yeah he was just sort of like well i was on meth or whatever it was was but it, it really stuck with me that no matter it's like when we see these these behind the scenes photos or spoiler stuff and we're like oh yeah even Bat- Batman v Superman, um, and it's and it's uh, you know enterprising and intriguing mm-hmm. villain Lex Luthor um, looked really interesting in early photos. <laughs> <laughs> it looked really interesting. You know what I told a friend? I said the Lex Luthor in that movie was the one that we deserve, just not the one we need. And they were like, "You can't call me your friend anymore." And then they left. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's all to say that I got caught up really quickly and then got really frustrated when I had to watch Game of Thrones week to week like everybody else. Like Trump. <laughs> right. Trump. So yeah, the wait between season five and season six seemed like a thousand years. It was interminably long. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. It was like a season of of weather in Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> right. It sat through a ten year fall. You, you said know. summer child. That's right. <laughs> So uh, anyway, so let's see. When this started, when this episode started, how close was it to the end of season five's finale in time? You mean as far as when it takes place or when yes. the other one came out? Yes, set the, set the scene. I'm saying when in the story it resumes with what? It, how much it time seems like passed? it picks up fairly quickly after the last season. Like I thought that was really interesting. minutes, yeah. His body is blue, but still uh, supple. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's still – he hasn't quite gotten the frosty lips or anything going on. <laughs> so, of course, the big the big thing here was that, you know, the finale of season five, Jon Snow uh, betrayed in a, Caesar, a Caesar-esque way. He knew nothing. Curly pouts a lot. Right. He was ventilated. <laughs> betrayed then, by uh, that little boy. Oh, and then <laughs> – you know, late, late in the, you know, laid down in the, in the, in the snow, and then the, the blood trails out, and his eyes go, you know, distant, and then right. it ends, and that right. was the way they left it, and we're all outraged. And Far so then, watch. all summer, you know, or the whole time thereafter, they had this thing where they were saying he's dead, he's really dead, he's right. absolutely, and you know, Kit Harrington was whatever it was, it was showing up with his, his hair was still long, and people were like, why is your hair long? He's like, because uh. Contract. I wanted it that way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Chicks dig it. 
so everyone dig knows the man bun. So everyone knows he's coming back. And there's even there was even some some leaked photos which I didn't see but I read about that showed him. Oh, describe uh, those to me, will you? No, I shan't. But they indicated whatever man. This is spoiler country. They indicated that he's he's alive, and that surprises right. what, precisely zero percent of the viewing. Uh, population, but uh, yeah, absolutely. What I thought was interesting is he's still dead in this in this first episode, and he stays that way. He is, and yeah, they kind of. I kind of like that they did that. I like that they are leaving us hanging, but not in like a snarky way, the yeah. way Walking Dead does. So much as it seems like it's a natural progression to the story to a certain extent. Everybody's watching, saying Red Woman's there. She's going to see the body. Right. She's She's done it before, and then we're good to go. Or like we were talking about, at least you and I, at some point before, you know, or, you know, was the, was the, was the Winter King going to animate him or someone is going to animate him, right? Right. And they put him in that room. And actually going into this, I never, I never imagined we'd have a scenario where Sir Davos would find him and those guys would drag him back to the room and then they would have the siege situation. Right. Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I I think it's really cool that they're literally on almost a hostage standoff here. Oh, I love it. And And, Sir is my favorite. uh, He, or he is at least in my top three of game of Thrones actors and characters. He's amazing. Liam Cunningham is just so good in this. Apparently he's really good friends with, um, Kooten? Kouten? Who plays Melisandre? Oh, uh, Van Houten, isn't it? Van isn't that? Caprice? Caprice uh, Van Houten. That's exactly what I said. Yes. You can, you can use that in post. Putin Van Putin. Oh, okay. So I love that it was about him, and I love that um, Jon Snow did have loyalists that even in death yeah, um, still supporting him. And I thought it was interesting that Davos had to, you know, his his experience and common sense actually rein those guys in and say, you know, before you just go hurling yourself <laughs> right. off the wall. Maybe we should, maybe we should get love... some reinforcements and not just yep. throw ourselves off. <laughs> well, and I love that the first thing he says is, you know, if does the wolf know you? Yes. yes. Get him yeah. I've, I've been whining to anybody that would listen that I haven't had enough direwolves and I want more direwolves and not in cages and not beheaded and on the Right. Yeah, I understand that it's difficult for them just because of the sheer scale of the dire wolves. Right. But they need to find a way to use it a little more effectively. And the the thing that really struck me about the Jon Snow scenes is how stricken Melisandre looks when she comes in and sees him dead. She's like, oh, shit, I did not see this coming. What's going on here? I feel like we're seeing her having a, a serious crisis of faith. Absolutely. But I don't think it's – I actually do think that she will bounce back and be the one to do the animation, although she doesn't have to be. Because she we've doesn't. seen at least two other red priests. At least, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and not even in Marine. 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 Yeah. Um, but yes, I like that – I've been very interested, even in the last few episodes of the previous season, it was interesting to see her ride, like, she's riding away from the wall, like, well, or right. no, she was riding, no, she was rode to the wall right. after Stannis was killed, and all of her, she had him, you know, <laughs> burn his daughter alive. Right. Oh, man, that was intense. Oh, yeah, send all his people <laughs> to their deaths, and despite all odds, he just kept going, and then it all just 
goes to hell and she's like, well, or I might have misinterpreted that. You know, that so, that's actually one of my major complaints about this episode is that uh, Ramsey talks about uh, what's his name being dead, but they mm-hmm. never show it in any way, shape or form. I thought it was very interesting and deliberate that they didn't show it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I I feel like they wouldn't have necessarily had any way of knowing that he was dead, though. Well, but by that point, I'm sure they cleared the, the field. No, oh, that's he's a good point. About, he's talking about, you know, your... I mean, this is sort of the next thing in that episode, but, you know, he's saying, do you feel like you had a huge victory here? Yeah, that's you true. Did, you did a sneak attack on the horses of people sleeping, and then, you you know, whatever, you ravaged Right. Them. You know, oh, I love their relationship. The 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 father and son Ramsey flayers are just – it's totally <laughs> the perfect like father-son bastard relationship going on there because he's always pushing him. But he also knows his son's a fucking psychopath and yeah, – he's, to- <laughs> he's a total – he's just absolutely a blunt instrument for him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Roose Bolton, I, I really like that actor and his performance. Yeah. And I really, really like oh, – I'm just not even going to bother trying to pronounce his name. Um, who plays Ramsey Bolton? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, Ramsey's amazing. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not up on my pronunciation uh, of that. <laughs> yeah, his name, but I loved him to death in Misfits. Once again, oh, go, go gotcha. Misfits. He's in every season. He's one of the one or two cast members that was in the entire run. Nice, and he's playing not this character. <laughs> he's complaining about being typecast but his next role is Hitler apparently so I don't think that you're kidding me <laughs> I don't think he understands what typecasting means <laughs> but anyway he's really great he's also a, a musician but anyway uh, I like hating him on the show right yeah he is just the right level of creepy and charismatic and just it rubs the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose kind of thing. Yeah, sure. It's just, it's great. <laughs> well, he's kind of an enigma. And for, for crazy sadists or sadists, sadists, uh, sadists sad sadists, sad sadists. Um, I think it's interesting when they are complex or at least inconsistent because that, that, that conveys the crazy. They're not one note. Like I right. think much like a um, unfairly maligned, uh, nuanced performance of, Jesse Einsberg as Lex Luthor, you know. Are you talking about having, that Facebook movie? That's right. So <laughs> having having some um, oddities in his in his approach, his character's approach to things makes it interesting. Like you don't right. expect him to be thoughtful about the corpse of his his uh, his mistress there. Right. The, manage the dogs, um, and then then you know it kind of. It kind of throws you off, and then he's like, "Well, I'll just throw her to the right you know, feeder to the, the dogs. Bulb. It's good it's meat." Good. Yeah, um, and and you saw that a lot with Sansa too. He was really he was really um, sort of almost almost sweet and charming, and then all of a sudden crazy. Yeah, um, I like that. I like that inconsistency. You don't know where he's coming. You don't know what's real and what's not with him. Yeah, which is right? really really cool about him. I think. Uh, before we leave the watch, though. Uh, Sarah Alistair Thorne, I forget the actor's name who does him. But yeah, I was I was stunned that he was like, "We did it, I did it." That guy. Yeah, did it. I was really surprised by that scene. Actually, I thought it was really cool, but I was really surprised that he was just straight up, bam, this guy fucked up. 
Yep. He did things he shouldn't have done. He betrayed the watch, so he killed him. Well, and my, my friend was saying, well, you know, of course, what, what else were they going to say? And I thought, no, it's, I don't think it was an of course at all. Yeah. He, he even painted it. It was a great piece of misinformation. He even painted it in this propaganda sort of rhetoric where he's like, well, you know, I've been a, a man of the watch my whole life, and it's all about loyalty, and you have to follow your leader. And he was my lord commander, and I did right. what he asked us to do. But he made a terrible mistake. It was going to destroy us all. And so we took him out. Well, they made a very. I just killed him. (laughs) Right, right. And they made a very conscious choice to leave him laying in the snow with the word traitor pinned above him. They weren't like, oh, we killed him and hit him in a sky hole or whatever they call those things in the wall. Yeah. Or just threw him to the wolves or whatever. They literally left him in the middle of the complex in Castle Black or whatever with blood seeping out and frozen in the snow. And I think it's interesting that they made that conscious choice and it's really smart the way they did that because that sets up the whole siege situation and everything else. However, he says, well, what by letting them through the wall, mm-hmm. all this sort of the wildlings, Sir, you know, Syrian refugee allegory is happening when they're writing this. Right. But, right. You know, if we let them through the wall and uh, and then we give them the lands that that they were raiding before, then it's going to destroy everything, destroy us and everything. Wait a minute. They already did it. Right. The wild's here. It's too right? late, really, to so, take that back now. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously they're going to go after the, you know, just whatever. They turn on the wildlings that have trusted John uh, to bring them over. Right. The other thing, though, is in that scene, in that hall, I keep seeing it. They, they, it was very deliberate in the center of the, of the view of the mm-hmm. camera. All the people are listening to him. And the very back, straight in the middle, is someone with uh, fiery red hair. And oh, I'm trying really? to figure out if that's a wildling hmm. or or not. Because if it's not, it's just a, a really strange coincidence. That, but it, I kept expecting someone to get up and be like, I'm out. <laughs> I mean, they did offer a few of the wildling sanctuary if they swore to the night watch, right? Right, right. right. I mean, in so. the book, they start like populating other castles and that kind of thing along the wall and starting to renovate them and rebuilding them using crews of wild wings and stuff. Spoilers. Don't tell me spoilers in the book. I don't want to know spoilers. We're past the book now, sir. That's right. That's an exciting (laughs) thing, though. I love that there's no... Like, I didn't know the book stuff much other than some of the things they didn't use. Right. Uh, We're off the edge of the map now, Right. I like that about it. I like that there's no one who's smugly standing in the corner saying, well, that wouldn't happen in the book. Right. That was me, dude. That was you. (laughs) So what about – who else? What else? What happened? So let's move on to Ramsey. We've talked about him a little bit. Yes. Um, I mean, obviously, there's not not a lot happens in that end of things over in Winterfell. Um, we just basically get confirmation that Stannis is dead. Stannis the Manus is no longer the Manus. <laughs> and right. the the convenient rescue of Sansa and Reek was a little too convenient for me. But well, she was there though, right? She, she was. Spent- she was out in the woods. She obviously killed Stannis. Uh, yeah. But you know, she, I don't think she saw the flame 
Because they were like hanging no, no, out didn't. in there, and then they're like, "Oh, we need to go kill Stannis because he's a dickhead or whatever." I don't know what her logic was there. Right, but. she she had been there for a long weeks, <laughs> right. watching for a flame in the window, and when it finally went off, she was gone. She's like, so "You she killed my it. pretty king, man. I need to go punish you for right. this." But the battle with Stannis's uh, troops happened in that area, like it right. was close close to the castle. So for her to be there and come across, you know, for her to have tracked. You know that this 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 phalanx of of uh, riders and wolves or hounds right. or whatever to me was consistent. Yes, it was sort of a da-da, you know they're here. Right. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, it, it could have been solved with a simple cut of seeing them at some at some distance watching the track of those. Right. Yeah. There should <laughs> have been just a the- like a fifteen second scene of them tracking them or seeing it or something yeah. along those lines. That would have been helpful, but, you know, it's it's TV, so of course there's going to be some convenience added. I'm really that, uh, hoping one or the other of them has some sort of frostbite as a result of this, because, oh, good God, that, that scene made me so cold watching it. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it was neat that uh, this is now another step towards... Um, a return of Theon. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Theon. that. And He's I killed, yeah, he killed the one. He helped her, and then he helped Sansa escape. And right. now he tried to sacrifice himself so she could get away, totally in vain, which was great. Oh, terribly! Yeah, he got like seven feet away, and they're like, "Oh no, she's right there." <laughs> He's like, "No, no, no, that's just a snowbank." Ha ha ha! He told her to run, but you know the hounds are right there. So right. <laughs> It reminded me a lot of that scene in um, in uh, what's the what's the movie with uh, the Scottish the movie with all the uh, the Highlanders that Braveheart? are being, uh, no 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 Brave the, the good one I no, can't no, think no. of any other Scottish movies that start <sighs> with Brave <laughs> Hold on a second I'm gonna I may or may not be looking this are up you summoning Umdaba I might Umdaba. be while you're doing that. I yeah. really liked the scene where she pledged her allegiance to Sansa, and Sansa was accepting the pledge, and she needed help from Podrick for the wording. How great was that? So good. I loved that. It showed so well that she was the daughter that never really paid attention to that stuff, but she knew it. It was an important thing. But she was always the daughter that was learning the embroidery and the the pretty stuff. But now she's had to take up a little bit more of the mantle of command to a certain extent but she doesn't quite know what she's doing yeah or or that she well, in, i interpreted it as she had been um her she had been psychologically under siege for long enough yeah to snap back into this you know this situation where she's supposing she's supposed to be reciting this this stuff with custom and right. ceremony when she never even had to do that before because she was never the one in charge until right. this moment, right? Yeah. Uh, I was referring to Rob Roy. I've just, I have. Oh, Rob Roy. There you go. With Liam Neeson. Year old brain. With me. Uh, yeah. So this scene reminded me of the worst, like the most gut wrenching scene, uh, possibly literally in Rob Roy, where Eric <laughs> Stoltz, Eric Stoltz hides the gold in a, in a knot in the tree. Right. And then, cause he got garroted or whatever. Right. And he fell off his horse, <clears throat> hides the gold and he's laying there like, <laughs> And then uh, Tim Roth goes up and and 
stabs him right and while he's while he's like dying from the stab wound he look tim roth just reaches up and grabs the gold the it wasn't gold was it gold or yeah it was the money i don't know it's been years since i've seen that but yeah it was the money that they were going to use to buy whatever the boat right. or something and and he takes it so that horrible thing of eric stoltz's character having to acknowledge that it was all in vain right and his last effort to try to keep it out of Tim Roth's hands had failed. <laughs> and then, you know, like the rest of the movie, it's never even resolved. He's never, he's never vindicated because they're like, Oh, he ran off and stole the money. Right. Like, no. <laughs> it's unfair. Are so, you having Rob Roy flashbacks? Tom? I sort of was, uh, <laughs> turning a, turning a, turning us, making a silks purse out of a sow's ear. That was a thing that's, that they said in that movie. That was shocking to my teenage brain. Um, <laughs> There were some other lines in that movie that were a little bit uh, well beyond the pale. Anyway, speaking of pale, uh, what about Marcella and uh, and her terrible fate? Yeah, I have to say the whole Sand Snake stuff is still the weakest part of the show without question for me. Everybody says that, but I'm not quite sure. I I don't I don't like it. Feel like the Sand Snakes are as clever as they think they are. Like, everything they've done has been super telegraphed. Maybe so, but they they did manage to completely overthrow the ruling structure of Dorne through betrayal. In right. Three or four swift movements. So Right, you know. by stabbing one guy in the back and then stabbing another guy in the front. Poisoning, <laughs> stabbing, stabbing, stabbing. Right, right. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying... Yeah, you're right. They came... There was all this expectation that they were going to be this amazing thing. And in the end, I read somewhere that they described all of the action in, in last season in Dorne in those courtyards as being looking like it was a bad telemovie. <laughs> right. <laughs> like running around and swinging well, sword. And, and yeah, and like, like fighting the gold-handed guy and that kind of thing. And like those yeah. fight scenes weren't terrible. But like I expected some sort of fight scene here. And instead, the the big... Guy who's awesome. That's the 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 bodyguard of uh, what's his name? Who I really uh, like. Um, yeah, right. Uh, he just gets stabbed in the back and dies. It's like, oh man, I wanted to see him actually do something. And they could have at least had him turn around and fight a little bit, despite being stabbed. I did like. I did actually really like the scene with the the son with the prince mm-hmm. getting killed. I thought that was pretty good. When she's stabbed, stabbing through the through the back of the head. Right. Yeah. I expected uh, it to come out of his chest, and instead it was right out but, the face, kind of thing. But it's confusing because I thought that he was on the boat with Marcella and. Um, yeah, they should have inserted some sort of deleted scene there, as best I can tell, because I'm assuming what happened there is that he was on the boat with all of that, and after they were in dock for a while, the Sand Snakes took another boat, like, immediately after or something, and followed him to it. But, I don't know, yeah, that was really vague. Because I don't understand, because they were on the dock when that boat left. Right. And now... All of a sudden, they're in King's he, Landing, or did he, he did not go. go? Well, that's the thing that that scene occurred in the in the hold of a ship, right? Right. And it, I mean, you know, yeah. The, either they needed some sort of yeah, they should have had some sort of establishing shot or something. I know in the books, he 
Well, in the books, this stuff didn't happen yet, but I, if, right. if I remember correctly, in the books, he travels back to King's Landing in the boat with Marcella. So... Remember in, in season five whether he left with them or if uh, her, you know, whether uh, if her father had just taken her back. And right. Left, left the left the fiance there. I, I don't. I don't know. But, yeah, I genuinely yeah. can't remember either. Um, but uh, it says uh, in the plot summary for last for the previous season's finale, it just says Jamie and Marcella leave. But that doesn't mean anything. That could just be Imdaba failing me. Imdaba. <laughs> well, so, yeah, but I mean, I think. Hmm. I thought, yeah, because I thought in my memories of the show, it was that um, was that it was just them that left. It was it was um, it was them leaving Dorne and everybody in Dorne behind right. to her to her with her heartbreak, you know. That right. She, you know, it was she was leaving against her will, and then of course, then spouting blood, and she did. <laughs> um, Which was so some, tragic for poor Jamie. It really was. Um, I heard a great reference that was that there was only one Dorn. One she she said like the people are tired of your your inac- inaction on what's happening in Westeros or whatever, and so you know there you go. And then all the guards are just standing around when she stabs him. Right. You know, that's the thing. And then I heard a reference that said that there was no Dorn happier to see this happen than Michael Dorn <laughs> watching Bashir go down. <laughs> <That's really funny. laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. But uh, that was a thing. Um, so also, do you think maybe this sudden surprise attack on uh, Doran is really for book followers? Because isn't that character, you, you know more than I, but as I understand it, that character has been involved in a long con against the Lannisters, right? That he's sort he's of in greater he's in greater control of the conspiracy than Doran Martell was a much stronger character in the book than he was in the show. I mean he was like riddled with gout so he couldn't move that kind of thing, but he seemed a lot more of like a Tywin type character yeah. who kind of knew what things were going on in the background. The Sand Snakes were a lot more dangerous seeming in the book than they are mm-hmm. in the show. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably my letdown as a book reader is that it feels like they could have been a little stronger because I've read the book. I think had I not read yeah. the book, I'd be a lot more down with the Sand Snakes and the way they're doing things. Um, it's interesting, though, to me because in the book, Marcella's still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a whole subplot that they didn't even address here with a knight that came over with her and there was an attempted assassination and she'd had her face cut and so she was scarred Hmm. and like a whole part that's not in this at all that actually elaborates on the Dorne storyline a lot that they're kind of missing out on and I think that's part of why they don't seem as strong in the show. In the books, are they as young as they are on the show? Oh yeah, they're way younger. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, Arya is, like, 12 in the books. No, no, I understand that, but the Sand Snakes. Oh, yeah, they're they're kids, yeah. Oh, okay. Because I think, that's a, I think that's incredibly difficult to pull off. There have been a few examples in modern cinema where a young, particularly female, uh, character is proven is a believable lethal killer at a young age. Right. Um, but more often than not, it just doesn't work. You don't yeah, absolutely. They have. 
The professional is one of the few times that I can think right. of that it like they pulled it off, and even then yeah. she didn't really yeah. strike as a believable killer so much as it was just a really well-made movie. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, okay, so that's interesting. Now, speaking of Jamie, and yes. speaking of um, uh, Marcella in general, right? I thought that the scene of them coming into the harbor uh, was the acting job of Lena Headey's career. Oh my god, she was so good there. That long shot on her face and the emotion she went through was just amazing. I just, I mean, especially this coming at the same, right on the heels of Mark Hamill doing seven different, seven (laughs) different acting modes in one one long take or whatever. Right. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I just, I, I just, I thought it was, this woman has been she she had this power structure that she she held onto with an iron grip and she's watched it slowly crumble and she right. held on as long as she could and one by one she's been taken out and she's endured so much right. humiliation and loss of power and loss of of sort of status and 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 fearsome reputation and she's just almost at the bottom right and the only thing she's holding on to is they're going to bring her 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 daughter back and and the, and there it is. You just see her hit yeah. that point. And, and it's how, just so crazy when you think about how long that girl's been gone. She was a yeah. little kid when she left. And right. like she went overseas, she was held captive, she fell in love, and then she's coming home. And then she realizes that her daughter's dead. And it's just you could see her face just it's amazing to me. That was just such a wonderful piece of acting in like three minutes of a shot. <laughs> three long minutes. Right. Yeah. And uh, how great was it? it? There was so much I thought that was well written in this. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of complaints I've read. Well, this is a table setting episode like they often are the first episode of, of the course, season. Of course. You've got to show everyone. And right. you have to show everyone for like three minutes because there's a 40-minute show and there's 74 yeah. major characters in this. And it seemed like they were just going to open the episode with a whole bunch of the stuff that we, you know, the Hodor, the Hodor crew that we've <laughs> right. been missing. And it was neat that they 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 continued the storyline and showed us what was happening with all of these events that we have been watching before. Right. Um, but what I thought was so brilliant about the writing of this scene was that you're expecting her to go apeshit. Excuse me. Right. You're expecting her to just go nuts and she's going to, you know. Just scream and rent her clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Blame Jamie and be belligerent and horrible and just be, you know, because that's how she was when, when, when her first child died. Right. And that's how she was about other things that fell apart with her, with her father and everything. So you think she's going to be this rage and then she's just completely imploded. Right. She's like, well, the the prophecy is true. I'm going to lose all my children. And, and. It was just really compelling when you see someone that is that that vitriolic, Mm -hmm. um, so shaken. Yeah, to see her like the change from season one to this season is just amazing. But particularly in the like from the first of season five to this episode, the change in her has been amazing, and it's it's just kind of shocking to me how much of that she conveys in just her facial expressions and 
I don't know. I'm just really imp- I'm super super impressed with her acting in this particular. I mean, this one episode in the like 20 minutes, not even yep. like not even remotely that amount of time. She's yep. just phenomenal in it. There's two. There are two themes that I that I mean they're broadcast pretty strongly, but two themes in this episode that I think are setting the thematic stage for themes that are setting the thematic stage. <laughs> Our episode title. Themes that are setting the stage <laughs> for this season. Uh, one is that power st- existing power structures collapsing mm-hmm. and what happens in the void of them because you have all of these major players that are undermined mm-hmm. in this opening episode. And then also it's going to be a, a, a female character-centric season. Absolutely. But it's not doing it in – but they're doing it with some balance. So it's not like all of the female characters we've been following are suddenly – uh, you know, striking back. Right. Sansa is t- maybe rescued. Right. And Brianna, of course, got her or Brian. 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 She's, you know, she's finally, finally. You seem like she almost was going to pass out out of joy. <laughs> that she right. Finally yeah. Finally, she has someone to follow yeah. and protect. <laughs> so Sansa was at a terrible low. But then was 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 rescued, and so Brianna Brianna's having a a high point. But here we have all these other female characters in this episode that are not doing great. Uh, right, Ilaria Ilaria's coup is not a happy one. No, not even <laughs> just, remotely. Just terrible, and obviously uh, with Khaleesi, where <laughs> she's she's in dire straits. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to her, and, but yeah, she's not in a Ar- good place. <laughs> Arya. And, uh, you know, and then and then here with Cersei, I mean, it's interesting that and then, of course, Melisandre, right? Right. A lot of what Cersei's broadcasting here, Melisandre is doing the exact same thing at the end of the episode. Yeah. If you think about all of these different locations, all of them are female centric for the most part. And they're all female characters that are going through a very different time, a different kind of strange power vacuum where there was this male-centric world that everything was very structured and strong and they knew what was going on. And now all of them are in this world where there's this looming threat up above that nobody wants to acknowledge. There's a threat coming from overseas that nobody knows about. Right. And then there's all this bickering, infighting civil war, see, that <laughs> they're dealing with. And it's it's kind of fascinating to watch it because it is through their eyes it's not through the king and the prince and the knight and that kind of thing yeah it's a crisis of of faith or a crisis of confidence for each of them right and i think it's uh well you know and even with brienne scene Mm -hmm. uh you know in the previous season she was beating the hell out of the hound (laughs) right Um, and and in this one you know she went at four well-trained uh, sort of rangers, mm-hmm. and she's on her she's on her knees because of being taken off her horse. Right, she was not in in her best form. She and was she smacked around and digging through the snow for her sword, and it was yeah, it was definitely not her finest hour in terms of fighting. How great was it that you totally think they're going to pull a Game of Thrones and skewer Pod, right? And then, and then he didn't. <laughs> oh, I would have been so mad if they'd killed Pod. He's so adorable in this movie <laughs> or in this show. For a long time. It's just you know. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I thought that's uh, so. Yeah, that whole scene. Um, it's interesting. It's a, the second time that we've had Jamie and Cersei having a moment over the corpse of (laughs) over or near or about a corpse of one of their children right crazy incest children 
Um, and yet it's one of the most intense relationships on this show. Right. And that scene in particular, I felt their relationship with each other a lot stronger than a lot of other scenes has been. Scenes has been. My English is excellent tonight. They it's like the Kraken. Yeah, it's it is the Kraken. Um I feel like they had a, a stronger connection there than they have in a lot of the other scenes as far as this weird, like, brother-lust thing going on. It, there was a it, lack of rape, which was Right. Nice. Always good to have a lack of rape, yeah. <laughs> the less rapey, the better. Rape over the corpse of your, of your family member. Lord yes. Almighty. Yes. So, I did yeah, think right. um, going to that scene, too, um, with the murder of the prince, whose name I can't remember, the Martel kid, Tristane, I liked how he was painting the eyeballs, the stones <sighs> that they put over the eyes. Right. I thought that was a nice touch. That's a really good point. It was very deliberate. They focused on it, and I didn't really think about it at the time. Yeah, realized, yeah I thought that was point. really cool. So what about the uh, so what about the situation with the uh, – with 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 Khaleesi and then her uh, the Rangers looking for her. There was so much going on here that was was interesting. I read a thing online um, that we're talking about how uh, Jora uh-huh. Jora is that his name? Yeah, Jora and Dario were tracking her. They're like, how in the heck would Jora and Dario find her? How would they track a dragon that was flying? And someone else posted online and they're like, well, they just followed somebody's certain amount of... No. (laughs) Stop. Excitement for the Khaleesi. No. (laughs) That's terrible. That is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to say. Uh, But but I acknowledge it. I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, So They just followed Jorah's compass. That's all. There was definitely a, a, a real Conan the Destroyer aspect, you know, D&D level one aspect to them, just like jumping on a horseback and riding over right. the hills far away and then being like, the dragon went this way. Holy crap, those were gorgeous horses they were riding. They were. Oh, man. But 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 but, but I remember thinking towards the end of the – well, at the end of the last season and, mm-hmm. and then watching this beginning that they saw the direction the dragon flew. Right. They headed out. And then they started finding tracks, right? Because it was the tracks of the tribe, right? The horde, right. And what a great detail when he said, "That's not an army; it's a horde," because it was a spiral. Yes, pattern. I really liked how you could tell that it was people on horseback riding around a circle of somebody standing there, kind of thing. I thought that was an incredibly solid touch on the the set dressing of that particular scene. I thought that was really good. I never have, and and I never will accept. I'm going to drop a breadcrumb in the tall grass and you're going to find it. <laughs> she dropped a ring. I yeah. thought she was merely taking a sim. I thought she, I thought it was the kind of thing where you take the jewelry off so they don't know you're so rich So they don't thing. steal it. Right. So, oh, no, no. Or so that they don't kill you thinking that you're, you know. Right. You, right. Like she doesn't want to be that target. She wants to, to hopefully be perceived as just some commoner out, commoner out so she pulled that thing off mushrooms or whatever right <laughs> uh so i really did not expect them to come along and be like oh yeah know. that was the Here's bullseye the right in the middle of the target kind of thing I yeah mean, at least there was the circle i mean that led him to that point and maybe i can see some glitter again one additional shot 
a little bit of right. a glint. A glint in the grass was all they needed. Yeah, it would have made that scene a little more realistic, I guess. But I like I liked that they had that dialogue where they were talking about he says, Well, I'm just you know, that weird sort of competitiveness where he's like, Well, I just hope uh I'm just looking forward to seeing the world after she conquers it and he's like, I am too. Yeah. So if, if I, and then he's like, if I live to see it, and he's like, me too. <laughs> yeah, I thought that the, their interaction is really interesting because they both clearly have an attraction towards her, and one of them's been fulfilled, and the other one's been denied at every possible point of interaction. Yes. And I thought it was—it's kind of a cool, like, like son uncle type situation, but they had that that romantic feeling towards her that I thought was really interesting too. I kind of like yeah. the two of them together, just hanging out in the countryside doing things. Well, and 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 especially because you'd think that that would be a very um, acrimonious. Uh, alliance right and yet they are acknowledging that they're more power that that they serve the person they both love more right. better more right. better, more better. together despite their competing uh you know yeah obsessed with her than if they were to undermine each other i think it's kind of interesting yeah i, I think don't it's really I cool. don't think that they wouldn't hesitate to stab each other in the you know, <laughs> right but you know for the for, the, for now well not until she's safe then they yeah. can stab each other in the back kind of thing so what did you think about um the khaleesi once she's brought into the horde camp and that whole thing I can't decide what I think about that. It seemed like a little too much of that was almost kind of exposition to remind people that hadn't seen the Dothraki in a long time that were like, remember, these guys are kind of savages. And also, this is what their traditions are kind of thing. And she she looked a little pudgy, which surprised me. Well, (laughs) yeah, okay. But but, uh, so I don't recall any other scene in modern memory in terms of the sort of a genre piece that was so Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yeah, it really was. Lieutenants undermining his statement was nothing better than uh, <laughs> Right. You know, Look at that blonde acid, girl. Acid girl. And, yeah. Well, there's also this and this. It's the one of the five best things in life. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it almost seemed like a it almost seemed like a callback to Conan, right? It really I did. Yeah. So I thought that well, was really funny. Well, and man, did the the call that they picked looked so much like Drogo. I mean, oh. it was just crazy how much he looked like him. He looks like he looks like Drogo's um thinner trainer. Right, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> He's the the stunt double that they just like got a beard for kind of thing. <laughs> it's always fun and I say this being married to someone who speaks multiple languages and frequently does not uh, let on that she understands what people are saying around right. her, right? So it's always thrilling when someone uh, finally drops that they know what you're saying the whole time. Yeah. So And that was really cool. Yeah, I did like that a lot. And when she, you know, when she unveiled her pedigree <laughs> and that she was his, you know, the, all the seven kingdoms and blah blah blah, and he's like, "Well, I don't care. You're the queen of nothing, and you're going to get on your knees." Right. And then she's like, also, I'm the I was the wife of Cal Drogo, and he's like, "Oh, oh!" And you think for a second, and she thinks for a second that they're going to support her, rally behind her. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and deliver me back to Marine, please. Everything will be fine. Right. And then to be reminded that actually uh, widows of the, yeah. of the cow <laughs> right. go into a <laughs> they get basically banished. Right. 
She's like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was really oh. cool. I liked how she named off everything but Caldrogo's little nom de plume on there. Yeah. And then she kind of held that in reserve, thinking, yeah. oh, here's the mic drop at the end here. Right, right. And he's like, I don't care about your million names. And yeah. <laughs> then she's like, oh, also. And he's like, well, then you need to go to the old lady's home. Ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really fat. I don't always want to see Khaleesi or whatever Daenerys um I don't always want to see her struggle because mm-hmm. I actually really enjoy when she's powerful I like when she's I do too when people are swollen with their inspiration and their ad, uh adoration of her I love yeah. that when they do it effectively but I also think she's young and I find it very interesting all the stuff as tedious as it could be I thought it was very mm-hmm. interesting that they um, very realistically captured on, you know, they, they focused on what happens when you take over a population and then now what? Right. Well, and the thing I really like about her is that she plays someone who was royalty growing. I mean, she was yeah. born into royalty, but – and she has that kind of thrust upon her her whole childhood. She was told she was special. She had something more right. driving her. And the way she reacts to things – has that very unique perspective to that. She's like, okay, I know what's going to happen because I know what has to happen down the road kind of thing. And half the time it doesn't work out, half the time it does work out. And it's really interesting to see her character as that type of thing happens to her. And I think think she portrays that really well, too. She grew up being told that she was special. Right. A few, few surviving... Targaryens, well, setting aside the <laughs> theoretically the, the anyway. secret backstory that they have to come, <laughs> they have to admit, come on, right? But, uh, but also, then she had her trial by fire, whenever when she picked up the dragon's egg, and then she had the bond right. with the dragon. She had all the stuff handed to her that suggested that she was almost a messiah. Um, and yet, what's interesting to me is she's the only um, pretender to the throne who doesn't have. She doesn't have any combat training. She's no. not fighting her own battles. She's she's trying to ride in on a surge of like a combination of, uh, you know, it's almost like a New Deal rebellion combined <laughs> right. with uh, a worship of the old ways, you know, a restoration, you know, and all this <laughs> stuff. She's like all these different sort of things all wrapped together, but it's all about people putting people buying into her thing, right? Well, and yet and, she's got very little of it on her own, except right. when she's got the dragons around her. Right. And they keep abandoning her. Well, <laughs> and, and it's like, crazy oh. because they like like to her, the dragons are a symbol. And because she has the dragons, everyone should just bow down to her kind of thing. But they treat the dragons like actual wild animals in this, which I think is a really nice touch. I mean, and they're I, scared of them, but then they're very aware that the dragon disappears again. It's like right. people hide in their houses waiting for the sound <laughs> right. of the wind. And up until recently, she's just been surrounded by yes-men. And the yeah. second she finally yes, gets an yes, advisor yes. that could literally actually give her good advice and talk back to her in Tyrion, they're like, oh, we took her away kind of thing. I think that her uh, bringing Tyrion into her sphere was the mm-hmm. coolest thing that they've and then and then uh what's his name coming with him i right. think it was it was like the coolest thing they've done in this show and i absolutely yes love it. um 
him being the other one of one of the other of my three favorite characters in that show. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I, I adore Tyrion and various like interactions with each other. They're like the best odd couple ever. They're just need, perfect together. Yeah, I need less uh, blatant references to his lack of cock and all this. You know, yeah, this. yeah, that's a, that's a reference, but still, I should slap myself. <laughs> um, you know, just because I mean, at this point, you think that they would have enough of a of a. Uh, you know, of a relationship that... Yeah, but that's kind of how Tyrion has relationships. I mean, you think about it, he's never really had a friend. He's always had underlings or family members that he bickers with constantly kind of thing. And so his... His sense of humor and his interaction and having meaningful relationships with people is either being denigrating towards them or like being an underling kind of thing. So it's... It fits, yeah. but yeah, I agree. It would be kind of better if they kind of became drinking buddies kind of thing. But What's his name who was the mercenary that, fall, that he was with for a long time and then he was given uh, his Oh, God, what plans. is his name? I love that guy. <clears throat> um, Their back and forth was amazing. Yes. Yeah, they were did, perfect. Did he die in the last season? No, no. Um, last we saw him, he was on the boat with Jamie coming back. Uh, Braun. Braun. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, anyway, the thing about um, Daenerys is that um, I like when people who are ex- who, th- who are expecting allegiance mm-hmm. get slapped. However, in the trope is usually that they're like, Whoa, and then they get, they get knocked down and then they're forced to be humble. Right. What I'm waiting for, and we've seen bits and pieces of it, but what I'm waiting for is for her to adapt. Yeah. And she's slow to adapt. She really is. Contrast her with Arya, who quickly <laughs> adapted in a I mean, Arya is like three generations beyond the person she was when the House of Stark fell. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm waiting for her to step up. It's not like she's asked anybody for some combat training, but I'm waiting for her to be a little bit savvier. I it's neat to see it that she has had conflicting um, advice from her advisors. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that she's assumed that people would do the right thing because she freed them, and then right. things got complicated. And she she was slow to admit that her inexperience. Like, how do you admit that you're that you don't know how to deal with people on that scale as a ruler, and that you really don't have any experience at all? <laughs> how do you admit that and re- and then retain your throne? Right. So well, so and she just has that that sense of duty and responsibility towards slaves and that kind of thing too, that she doesn't want to listen to anyone else in terms of that. Like her stubbornness in keeping the fighting pits closed and freeing all the the slaves. Despite any kind of advice she got, she's like, no, this is how I feel about it, regardless of how it hits. And then later on, she's like, oh, crap, this is making things really bad. The, The allegories in her story last season with things happening in the world today were really profound, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that she was taking these, you know, these stern philosophical positions about her morality and how things should be. She was resisting opening the fighting pits and resisting and resisting. And then finally, everyone advised her, you have to open it or else you're going to have all these problems. And she finally opens them. And then they do the big assassination attempt on her in the fighting pits and everything goes to hell. And that's straight up ease the border, ease the border uh, restrictions and stop profiling 
people who are different and then right. there's a domestic terrorist attack to Which... reinforce all the fears that people had in the beginning. <laughs> exactly. Right? It's exactly that story. Well, and so, I did think that yeah. the, the way they did that was really solid, though, with the – I don't remember his name, but the, the guy that she – yeah. married or whatever and he was clearly working with the gold masks the whole time and or the sons of harpy or whatever they're called sons of harpy, yeah. and i really liked how subtle he played her kind of thing he came off as kind of the brash cocky ah i want to have i want to have some loving time with you open the fighting pits by the way and instead of being as blatantly, oh, I'm part of the bad guy group kind of thing as he was. In the books, that's a very different scene. Um, there's an entire character that they've deleted from the movie or from the television program. And there's like poison and all sorts of stuff going on in that scene. And Tyrion is not involved in it at all. And huh. it's it's radically different in the book compared to what happens on the TV show. But it's both of them are pretty equally satisfying and they come around to basically the same conclusion. Um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting the way she's kind of been played by the masters of the city and how her convictions have kind of shot herself in the foot. The um in the last in that in that coup last season when the other white haired older uh, military leader what's its name that was was one of her generals got sell uh, me am, am, huh? yeah sell me yeah when he got ambushed in yeah. the corridor and then taken out you really felt it I mean it was just really hard to watch yeah here's a, th- a total aside that um you won't really relate to because you haven't seen this other show but. <laughs> Uh, remember how I mentioned the other time that uh, I watched You, Me, and the Apocalypse? Oh, yeah. So one of the main characters, his uh, his buddy, like his best friend on the show, mm-hmm. character named Dave, who's sort of like a drinking, drug-using, well, like kind of stoner, stoner uh, stoner dude. Right? Okay. Not, not, not a Hessian, but just, you know, whatever. Just mm-hmm. that shock a hair and just kind of, uh, you know, live life as it comes kind of, kind of personality. He is the same actor. His name is, uh, what is it? What is it? Joel Fry. He's the same actor who played Lorak, who was the, her, her husband by arrangement. Oh, that really? Was betraying her. Oh, okay. Right. So when I watched you, me and the apocalypse, he was bothering me the whole time. I was like, <laughs> what is it? About? He's so familiar. His jaw, his face is so familiar. What is it? What is it? What is it? And then, Right in the finale of that of that show, it suddenly dawned on me who he was, and it that's flipped, funny. tripped me out. And I <laughs> love that when someone was playing a, a role that's so different than what you knew him from, that you don't right. know why you know them until you do, and you're like, "No, how could that be?" The same <laughs> that's awesome. <sighs> so anyway, that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> so what about Queen Marjorie? Queen Marjorie. That was an interesting scene. She's not broken the way Cersei ultimately broke, at least yet. She's still trying to beg for – she tried to beg. She tried to resist or whatever and then and then mean, mean nun left or whatever. And then uh, Jonathan Price showed up and sort of hinted at her that she might have leniency by being married, which you right. know. Don't buy it. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't believe anything any of those guys are saying to you seems it seems like they're trying to leverage um 
leniency to get her to roll on her brother. Right. Roll on her brother is not the best term I should use for Game of Thrones. Not for those it, guys in particular. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I feel like if she does it, then she's just going to, you know, they're going to put her brother to death. I agree. Free yeah. him up to do more Iron Fist. And, yeah, whether uh, that's and, her intentionally making that choice because her family's all about that kind of thing, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm really curious where they're going with that. Her scene was super short. Yeah. It was just a couple minutes long, but I do like that they showed her at least. It was a good reminder that there's a queen in the dungeon. Right. No, I still remember. And, and, a, and a boy king who's like trapped in his in his, his tasting room or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't even show him. Well, Tom and who do you, yeah, why do you, you don't even really show him. His sister just died. Well, yeah, so he's snivel, <laughs> sniveling in the corner playing Game Boy. <laughs> I guess that's better than shooting whores in the butt with a crossbow. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. And she was a very aesthetically pleasing woman, and she did not deserve a crossbow strike there of all places. So let's land on Melisandre, because that was the money shot for the episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have we missed anything? I don't know. We was, we haven't touched so, on yes, Arya. Arya. Huh? We didn't talk about Arya, and we didn't talk about um, Tyrion and Varys, actually. So That's let's true. Do, let's do that. So uh, so Tyrion, the best part of that for me was when Varys said, uh, you know, you walk like someone who's rich because you walk oh, like the road belongs to you. Oh, that was so great. I loved that. He walks with his hands behind his back, and he's just kind of You looked along. so cocky. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, it was funny when we were watching that scene, the – the version of legally obtained video that we were watching didn't have the correct subtitles. It was showing <laughs> Greek subtitles for some reason. Oh, interesting. So we were watching it, and the subtitles came up when he was giving her money because so that oh, her right. baby could eat. And we're like, we have no idea what's going on here, but maybe we should probably find a different subtitle track for this so that we're not watching the Greek subtitle version of it uh, because we knew that there was going to be some sort of Daenerys thing coming up and that there would be subtitles we'd actually have to understand. Sure, sure. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a great scene. I thought... I love the two of them interacting, but I also liked the way they were kind of wandering the kingdom trying to figure out how they could rule it in her absence. Yeah, take a walk through the. It's like they. It was basically like taking a tour of Beirut during a ceasefire. Right. That was the vibe. It was like everything was shelled and there's no one around, and you're wondering at any minute whether someone's going to show up with a with a Sam or something. But uh, also, uh, mm, what was I going to say? No, I lost it. Yeah, the, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. I lost it. <laughs> I'm sure it was wonderful. Uh, the one thing about that scene that kind of bothered me, and I understood why they shot it the way they did, but the scene where they're walking and it's shot from over the shoulder of somebody lurking in a shack yeah. somewhere, where it was like, "Ooh, something's going to happen," but instead it's just, "Oh, this is ominous because people are watching the dwarf," kind of thing. Yeah, that was like three, the third one in the episode where. They're bait and switching us. Right. You know, the Thrones kills people all the time out of right. nowhere. And they didn't do it in, all in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. I could have done with a little less of that. Um, but yeah, great scenes. I like those guys a lot. I um, I think I think it's interesting. It's it's not quite as boring to the average person maybe as trade disputes in the prequels of Star Wars. <laughs> right. But I think it's fascinating these – issues about how, how to deal with the you know the messiness of 
of government, whether it's a dictatorship or a democracy or something else, how hard it is really to govern. And we've seen this across this show time and time again. And I and I read somewhere someone was saying, you know, this show's one of its basic themes is that the system has fallen apart and it fell apart long before what we're watching. Right. It fell apart during the Baratheon rebellion. Right. And, you know, it's in many ways reminds me of world, you know, sort of World War One, post-World War One, when the royal, the system of monarchies fell apart and the world has modernized or it's modernizing and and the royalty won't let go. There's a mm-hmm. lot of that. I mean, we're still in this cipher for feudal you know europe and yes there's you know people are still following the royalty and doing all right. and, and certainly their armies but you definitely get the sense that it's a dying it's a dying system yeah and the watching them try to figure out how to handle marine in her absence is very to me very fascinating in mm-hmm. that there's no good answer i have no idea what they should be doing well and the way they shot that was kind of interesting because realistically if you look at it from the way season five ended it ended with the big scene in the arena Right. Which means the queen's gone. There's no real established ruler in that town right now. It's not like she right. was like, I leave all my stuff to the dwarf, and she's dragged away <laughs> by the dragon or anything <laughs> like that. And so they don't really theoretically have any power. I'm assuming right. that um, Masande and those kind of guys are still kind of trying to hold down the fort kind of thing, but they're not rulers anymore. My, um, the, the the mother isn't there anymore. So I'm curious where that's going to go in terms of that, or if they're just out wandering because they know they're not necessarily a system of power, but they've got to figure out what the heck they're doing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that graffiti was pretty cool, too, even though it was a little bit on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, but but at the same time, I think it's well, we don't know. Maybe next season there's going to be a an attack on them too. But right. it really it it made a point that the folk the focus of the counter rebellion and the rebellion mm-hmm. was Daenerys. Right. With her gone, it was like things have things have cooled for a minute because they don't have that obvious target apart from them burning the docks and ships and everything else (laughs) that was quite a delaying tactic wasn't it yeah even the dialogue was you know oh i guess we're not going anywhere soon (laughs) i mean it was neat it was it definitely had that feeling it reminded me of blackwater Mm -hmm. it had that sort of like oh god you know when you see ships on fire in harbors it's just it, it evokes obvious obvious uh moments in history where that's really happened and it's a terrible right. it's a terrible feeling because it's like in one fell swoop you've just you know decimated the military and it was a pretty uh, great shot too i thought it was done really well it was done really well following the black smoke that was so thick and then mm-hmm. it's amazing that they lit all the ships on fire at once but that's okay yeah um, there were a lot of those guys with their gold masks <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I mean, when you think about how much she leveraged mm-hmm. in order to get ships, in the same way that Stannis extended himself to get ships, right. it's very interesting how precious those were right. as a tool for getting across the 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 strait that they you know the whole thing of mm-hmm. they need that to get across. It's a yeah. big deal. But yeah. Also, just in terms of how much money went into them, right? It's like right. they, all their eggs were in those floating baskets. <laughs> like, 
less floaty now. Good one, Tom. Thanks, man. <laughs> Dragon eggs. Baskets. Ooh, good. Uh, Fire. Yeah. So Arya. What about Arya? Arya. Not much was shown. Basically, what do you mean? her being blind, hanging out, begging. And then a girl smacking her with a stick. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it wasn't an interesting scene. It was just that it was like three minutes long kind of thing. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really neat. Uh, there's some article that I didn't read that said, Daredevil has some tips for Arya Stark. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read it yet. But, you know, I did like that she's listening. You know, though, it, it bothered me that someone that was as much of a water dancer as she was was getting smacked around quite as much as she was. It was like she'd just completely blown off any of Serio's advice about listening for where the enemy is and anticipating the moves and that kind of thing. But but, but when you're blind, I'm not sure I buy that. What is she supposed to hear? The, The... the 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 martial arts movie whistle of the of the staff coming out. They were they were on like a dirt and cobblestone landing and sandals, so it's not like it would have been silent when that girl was moving. But she's also a trained assassin, clearly. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think that they've set. I think that they've set a reasonable expectation that she will. You know, it's like well, it's it's like her old uh, like her old master that was training her. You know, it's like okay, I beat you up. I'm going to come back tomorrow. It's, right. It's a. It's like a uh, a recontextualization of that same circumstance. And it's a very you, you like needle, you think needle makes you strong. It doesn't. You need real skills. Right. It's a very same classic thing. training system. It's it's totally Mr. Miyagi style here. Sure. Sure. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Beg in the corner. Listen to people. Kind of thing. It's yeah. it's all kind of that same type of thing. And I'm totally down with that. I I still think Arya is one of the most interesting characters on it. And I'm really curious to see where she goes in this season in particular. Yeah. How how would you have liked to have been a student at UCLA having the watching party or whatever it is and then have her show up? Right. Do you read that? Yeah, that was awesome. I watched um, – I'm actually – I follow her on Instagram. And so I saw some of her posts where she's like, is anyone having a Game of Thrones party here in California? And then it like she posted a picture of her getting snacks. And then like she like showed up and she voted on whether Jon Snow was dead or alive. And yeah, I mean, she's super adorable. (laughs) You know that after she left. There's like 45 minutes of everyone just kind of sitting around going, oh, my gosh, it was so amazing. She touched my <laughs> right. hand and whatever else. And then now we got to watch the episode again because I didn't see any of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I, I love her. Apparently she also did a thing in a like a hobby shop or something right. where she posed as it, which was a little cheesy. But I love that she's having fun with her car- with her celebrity, which I think is really cool. I agree. What uh, do you? How do you feel about the theory that Sirio Farrell is not dead and that he's one of the faceless men? I think it's amazing. But then again, it's like me, uh, uh, you know, complaining about the shortened seasons of, of Game of Thrones uh, the last time. Mm-hmm. I, I want him to be alive. So exactly. I, Just I because like we the like theory. the character so much that we're like, he needs to be there. <laughs> well, there have been very few, there have been very few off camera presumed deaths in game of Thrones. Right. And Stannis has been verified. It was verified verbally. Right. It was verified 
you know, by production notes. And then it was verified again on the show Mm -hmm. that it was a stylistic choice to not give him. They didn't even need to show the death. It didn't need to be this retribution. It was more, he was defeated and now this is just happening. Right. But, but with, with, uh, what was his name? Serio? Serio Pharrell. Yeah. Yeah. He, it was, I mean, my initial takeaway was it was sort of like, say, you know, I'll hold him off, save yourself, and then you run around the corner and you hear a scream. Right. There's the Wilhelm scream off the corner. <laughs> yeah. But you don't, but you didn't get that. You never got that moment that exactly went down. So it left it, uh, it left it open ended enough to make you hope. Right. And yeah. I loved his little high water pants. Oh, I did thing. too. He was so awesome. He was like Going a. Against- Westerosi, Inigo Montoya type thing going on. <laughs> sure, and, and, and going against the the King's Guard uh, with a pl- with a wooden sword. Yeah, and everything about it was just so awesome. And that's the same soldier that she ended up killing that caused her blindness, right? Isn't he the one that killed him? Yes, or, yes, I'm, yeah. That him. was the guy that supposedly killed Serio. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, yeah, I think. It's fascinating. I think everything they've done with Arya has been great. From her wandering, I do too. Wandering the desert with Needle to going that whole thing where she was with the Hound for a long Which time, was so was great. great. Yeah. Less interesting was the Pie Kid and all that, but you yeah. Know, in general, just I like the direction that she went versus, with the exception of that brief window when Sansa Stark was dressed in black and seemed to have been little fingered. <laughs> Let me rephrase: she had been groomed by Littlefinger into being. I don't know, a littler finger. <laughs> I so something. desperately want to name the episode Tom Gets Little Fingered now. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like that moment, I really like Sansa, but the rest yeah. of the time I'm sort of enjoying not liking Sansa. Mm-hmm. Um, and in contrast, Arya, I've just been rooting for. Yeah. The whole time. So I don't know. It's been interesting, too, from a book reader standpoint. Her storyline has followed the books almost, I think, one of the closest out of the books, which I think is pretty interesting. Almost everything that's happened to her in the books has happened to her on the show. Wasn't there something about a lookalike for her in the books? There was a like a side plot where one of the... I can't remember if it was the Lannisters or the Boltons or somebody like that had somebody that they were pretending was Arya, but it didn't have anything to do with Arya herself. She was off gallivanting around during the time. Got it. Um, so what about Melisandre? We should talk about that. Yeah, that's that's the last scene of the show, the, the big stinger. Um, <laughs> the stinger. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a twist, you see? <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I read too much into it, and I had a great uh, theory that will not be – it's great because I said it was great. It will not be used. It's not accurate. They didn't ask me. <laughs> but I I interpreted when I watched her reveal as the centuries-old lady. Yes. I mean I got that this was turning the arguments about sexism and ageism and all that um, – in the show on their heads mm-hmm. and you know oh look oh shock she really is this old and right and, um but the idea if you're a if you're a standard nerd as you and i are the idea that a this woman would be glamoring herself to be young right um and not just glamoring herself they're saying that and i know that's i think that's the books too right that she's using a glamour we have no idea in the books. Oh, they but, haven't mentioned any of that aspect. There's definitely some hints that she's 
possibly hundreds of years old or that there's somebody that looked just like her kind of thing. But as far as the books are concerned, all of this is new material But they've here. talked about glamour and they've talked about right. this as a thing. Oh, yeah. Like in the books – Spoiler, like, spoiler alert for those that haven't read the books that I don't think they're going to touch on in this. Mance Raider actually spends a significant period of time not dead and under oh, right. a glamour as somebody else. Right. They Or, or didn't they also glamour someone else as his corpse yes the lord of bones the guy that was dressed in the bones was dressed like disguised as mance raider and was killed instead of mance raider and i don't know if they'll touch on that or if they're just like oh no he's dead in this now well and also didn't the books because i'm just referring to things i've read but right didn't books uh but not the books i didn't read those because i don't (laughs) i can't read (laughs) but don't read the the internet but not the books but the glamour i mean it's like classic Dungeons and Dragons type stuff, yes. right? The glamour re- requires an object or a fetish that's related to the person in order to manifest the glamour. Yeah, that ruby choker. Right. For or in the case of the Lord of Bones, it was his armor and so Right. So, I, you know, so but anyway, so my theory at the time when I watched it, I was thinking, okay, she has made a pact with her god Right. To give up her life force for John, mm-hmm. and she took off the choker deliberately, and she's withering away. Right. She's gone to, to die so that John lives. But everything else I've read and some of the producers' comments suggests that this was simply this is her natural state. This mm-hmm. is what she does at night for bed, and she had the lingering time in front of the mirror because she's so disillusioned. She's having this crisis of faith because mm-hmm. one after another. All of her supposed visions have fallen apart in her interpretation of them. Right. And, you know, she's lost the confidence in herself that she's really – that the, the the god of light is really acting through her. Well, and uh, there was a reference in an earlier episode in like season four or something like that where she talks about how she rarely sleeps. Right. And right. so it it kind of does follow through that when she does sleep, she takes the choker off and sleeps in her natural form and that kind of thing. And that this day was just so, like, utterly dis- disturbing for her that she needed, you know, an old lady. She's just like, I've got to lay down for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I loved <laughs> I loved – I just need a nap. I loved that um, she was saying, you know, like, oh, but I've had these visions of him fighting in Winterfell. Yeah, we saw that. I know. But, like, it, she, like she hasn't wrapped her head around the idea that maybe that just means he's not going to stay dead. Right. It didn't occur to her yet. Right. I don't know. We don't know the cost of – of re- of animating someone or bringing them back to life. So right. we don't know what's involved. She may be coming to terms with that. Yeah, I mean, if we're or, looking at it in terms of what's his name, the 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 Red Priest with the Flaming Sword <laughs> in the previous seasons <laughs> that was bringing back, uh, I can't remember the other guy, the Robin Hood character guy. Right. Uh, he brought him back multiple times, back from the right. dead kind of thing. But right. this is a significantly different circumstance, and she's kind of got that crisis of faith to a certain extent. Yes. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious where they're headed with that. I know what all the, the rumors and theories are about John and all of that. Yeah. But I'm curious to see where they end up going, whether it's her or if something else happens. Or yeah. – though the one thing I did think was interesting was that apparently either they made a continuity error in like season four. This is the bath you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, the bath. Yeah. Oh, the bath. 
<laughs> what? And I'm just I, acknowledging that it happened. Yeah, and that she was taking a bath without her choker on and hadn't changed appearances. But there's a rumor that one of the things that she's talked about is that people see what they want to see as right. well. Right. Well, and also taking off the choker was an obvious uh, visual cue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very deliberate. Not only did she take it off, but the light went out or the right. glow in the camera, the, the lighting was such that the it went dark when she removed it. And it right. could have been a coincidence, probably not. But there's nothing that says that wearing the choker is necessary for her glamour. Exactly. It could just mean that the taking off the choker was the last the last layer of disrobing. Exactly. It's and not like she, you have to shut it off. have the talisman in your hand for it to work. It could still right. be a talisman that functions if it's not on you kind of thing. It could just be in your proximity. The dreidel that's spinning, is it not spinning? <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh, I see what you did. That thing that you did there. Uh, the you, can't thing say Doctor, I... you can't say Doctor Strange without me imagining the little hop. The little mini hop. <laughs> Doing! <laughs> Synchronized hopping. <laughs> One thing I thought was interesting about it is that apparently that was her with prosthetics on. Well, like her face. From what it I've was... heard, it was a full body prosthetic. Uh, I read two or three other things, including one that she said that it was an uh, there's an older woman's body. They used the same technology they used for the Walk of Shame. Okay, Plus, she had that makes more sense to me. Head, yeah, right? but then it was an older lady's body. because, because like the body the entire gone. body, like yeah, it just didn't look quite right for that. Okay, that makes more sense. I love, I love. To feel superior <laughs> to all these comments online of people whining about that scene and how horrible it was to see it and how shocking and how my kids were watching who shouldn't be watching. They shouldn't be watching it in the first place, right? And what a statement. You know, I'm always feeling a little bit cynical about the fact that we right. live in a country where you can shoot someone in the face right. in a movie and people cheer, but if right. you show a breast, particularly a younger breast, then it's right. an outrage. It's this horrible thing. This pseudo-religious righteousness that we have. Right. That violence is okay, but sex is, is, is sinful. Absolutely. It just blows me away. It's such a ridiculous double standard that makes absolutely no sense to me. I loved that they were like, well, you're like looking at her. Here's our gratuitous breast <laughs> scene. And snap. <laughs> Close your bank. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and I thought that was time, fantastic. I love that they did that. And at the same time, though, I love reading these comments. These people are outraged. Oh, my God, my kid had to see that. Guess what? If, if your biggest concern is that your child had to acknowledge or your adult brain had right. to acknowledge that we get old and right. that our bodies change and that we get tired and that 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 frankly the young version that we've been looking at or the younger version 30 something version and then right. this elderly version could be the same person and that's life and and by the way they and you are going to die right guess what you, you need a you need a refresher on what's important in life. Yeah, right? there's absolutely nothing shameful about the fact that a 70 year old woman is sometimes naked, and that's what a 70 year old <laughs> looks like. And for them to be upset about that, but not upset about a young man stabbed in the back of the head and coming out the front of the head and dying horribly, and then it's a punchline, right? 
right. You had to take it away from me too, you sister. Yeah, you, you, you bitch or whatever. Yeah. I That's a, just such a ridiculous double standard to me about the America that we live in in particular. It's just ridiculous. I agree. I don't support it. Right. Tom and I are okay with nudity and we violence are. is okay if it fills the story properly. Sure, sure. <laughs> so um, I'm excited about the next episode in, in, in rabid fashion, as you would imagine. Very excited. It's really hard. we got to wait a whole week. I know. Although technically we have like six days, five days yeah. now, five. Yeah. That's true. So the only exciting. saving grace is that for at least one of us, we're watching this legitimately on HBO Go and they are one of the few <laughs> streaming content providers. I'm swearing at I... you in Greek right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, not to say necessarily that I'm that I'm the one paying the bill on the HBO Go, but at least right. I'm watching it in the delivery system that they have asked me to watch it in. And they are one of the few streaming providers that pro- that allows that show to be streamed the day of. Which is fantastic. Release. It's like instant gratification. I love that they do that. Everything right down to PBS. Like we have to wait a day to watch when we were watching Downton Abbey or something. Right. We have to wait a day to watch it. Uh, or, you know, it just <laughs> it frustrates me to no end. Why are you penalizing me for using this delivery <laughs> system? Right. <clears throat> so anyway. Yeah, I do like that HBO Go is done the, the way they have. I think that's really cool. Did we? Uh, do you think we sufficiently covered Game of Thrones? I think we have. I believe one. we've covered twice the runtime of the show, and that's <laughs> that's typical for our reviews. So I think I think listeners I are safe in tuning in next week for our next one. Well, another episode of Robot Dash Kraken has come to a close. We barely contained all the awesome that we could possibly generate into one seven-hour session. I'm glad you were able to listen <laughs> to the entirety of music. copious notes. <laughs> How can we reach each of us? How can someone reach us to tell us their comments, their recommendations, their hopes, their dreams, Contact their ways, their means? Contact information. That's yeah. a good How question. can I reach you? If you'd like to reach me, you can slide out one of your slimy tentacles and type in <laughs> deeplydapper.com And on that website, you can find links to my store. You can find links to download robotkraken.com or my other podcast, uh, Deeply Dapper Dispatches, where we discuss horror news that's a little less geeky, a little more horror-themed. You can also... Beers and gore. Yes, beers and gore, yes. Uh, Up in the upper right-hand corner are links to all of my websites as far as social media is concerned. You can also send me an email at deeplydapper at gmail.com i forgot my email address for a second there because <laughs> you're not 43 right i'm still the guy on email that sends emails to people and wonders why they don't respond and then i go on facebook and they're like hey emoji i'm like mm. <laughs> so uh for me tom t-h-o-m at third rail design lab.com you have to you have to write it all out in the third rail design lab which is really annoying and easy to misspell especially if you're drunk <laughs> But, okay, uh, I have to be fair here. Third Rail Design Lab is a lot easier to spell than your first name. Oh, good good point. <laughs> but there's a reason I'm not. <laughs> Catamonti.com. Right. Uh, True that. At some point, the Russians that are camping on TRDL.com will die, and then I will just swoop right in and, and you get You should just jump out. on Catamonti.com. That's, a, that's every, a good website right there. I shan't. I shan't, and I won't. <laughs> but every time, every time I check uh, TRDL.com, it's like the price has gone up. Now it's oh, like really? 30 
30,000 or something Oof. like that. And it's only me that's pinging that site, right? I'm like, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, anyways, uh, also, you can reach us at salty at robot-kraken.com, which is a communal website or a communal email address for both of us for feedback or advice or recommendations or requests that we yes. talk about stuff or whatever it is. Um, but I don't, I'm the only one that actually reads it. But, so Chiaramonte.com is actually it. available. No. Well, well, now I have to get it. Because <laughs> if I don't get it, it's oh, maybe be, it doesn't. I don't know. It's, it's, it's giving no- me conflicting ideas here. Nothing but black tomatoes or whatever it is right. from now on. Black so, um, <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Robot Kraken. Yes, it is now time to unrelease the Kraken for one day or two until the next awesome podcast is released. Yes, thanks for thanks listening, for listening, everyone. Winter.